This morning, it's all about faith. We have lit the faith candle, and we have been assured that we have been saved by grace through faith, and we have just read the story of the greatest woman of faith in the Old Testament, and perhaps only second to Mary in the entire Bible. So, I want to talk to you for a minute, brothers and sisters, about faith. When faced with the choice between circumstances and promises, faith holds on to promises. Did you catch that? When faced with the choice between what you're going through and what you've been told, faith clings to what you have been told to the promises of God. Now, how do I know that? Brothers and sisters, I know that because I watch Christmas movies. Now, I don't know why I've got this bad reputation that I don't like Christmas, but I sent a text to Pastor Rodney the day before Thanksgiving to show him that I had lights up at my house. And we have already watched several Christmas movies. Friends, you can learn a lot about faith watching some Christmas movies. When Kate McAllister could not get a plane ticket back to Chicago, and John Candy told her that his ragtag group of bandmates could get her to Chicago to see Kevin by Christmas as long as she got on their moving truck, Kate McAllister held on to promises and got onto that moving truck. When the Central Park police were closing in on Santa Claus, and there wasn't enough magic in the air to get that sled back up, Zoe Deschanel remembered what Buddy the Elf said. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is to sing loud and clear. And when faced with the choice between circumstances and promises, Zoe Deschanel held on to promises. And when my man, Charlie Brown, picked the worst Christmas tree of all time, and all of Charlie Brown's peanut friends made fun of him and harassed him and bullied him, his good old buddy Linus, got up to the stage and read Luke chapter 2 and told him what Christmas was all, all about. And I'll tell you, Charlie Brown smiled. And he grabbed a little blanket, and he grabbed his little pathetic tree, and he miraculously turned it into the best Christmas tree of all time. Now, why? Because when faced with the choice, between circumstances and promises, Charlie Brown held on to promises. Friend, I want you to consider Hannah. Hannah had the choice between circumstances and promises. In verses 1 to 8, we see Hannah's circumstances. I'm going to go through this part quickly because I want to get to the middle of the text. 
But Hannah had no children. She was barren, just like Samson's mother that we read about last week. But Hannah did not have any children, not because she made a career decision, not because that was her preference. Hannah wanted kids. Hannah needed kids. In her day, according to Jewish spiritual writings, a person without children was considered as good as dead. So Hannah has this personal, emotional, family, national weight hanging on her shoulders every time her and her husband try to have a son, try to have a kid, and nothing comes of it. Not only that, she has a divided husband. Verse 3, we find out that Elkanah, he's a pretty, pretty good leader of the household. He, he leads his family to worship year after year. Verse 5 tells us that he treats Hannah well despite the circumstances because he loved her. But that doesn't cancel out the fact that he had two wives. Now, some of you ladies should have been elbowing saying amen right there. I mean, that's your chance right there. That was for free. But the second wife, yikes, this bitter rival. Verse 6 tells us that she provoked Hannah grievously just to get on her nerves. I mean, every time they take this trip, she's got her kids in tow. She's passing out the meals, and she's eyeing Hannah over there. It's just you, huh? Just like last year. When are you going to give it up? And on top of all of her trials, Hannah endures years of silence. So think about it with me. Where do we find Hannah at the beginning of this passage? Hannah is waiting. She's waiting on her own little advent, waiting for a son to be born. And I want to be crystal clear here. Hannah hates it. This isn't a story about some super spiritual lady who floats above it all, doesn't let anything touch her. We're talking about real faith, but Hannah had real feelings too. The writer tells us in verse 8, that her husband asked her, why are you so sad? It's the worst question of all time. The writer also tells us that she was deeply distressed and weeping. Anybody else there? Anybody else there last night? I'm not going to be the one to stand up here and tell you that I know what you're going through and I know how you feel, but if I could just submit to you, maybe Hannah does. Hannah, though, not only had circumstances, Hannah had promises. And what I want to argue right now is that Hannah had a promise even before the priest Eli told her she was going to have a kid. Now, where do I find that? I want you to look at verse 11. As Hannah begins to pray, she vowed a vow 
and said, O Lord of hosts. That word host refers to a large group of angels or armies. It could refer to all the creatures in the world. It could refer to all the stars in the sky. As Joyce Baldwin writes, the name Lord of hosts expresses the infinite resources and power at God's disposal as he works for his people. Hannah prays to a God who has everything, to a God who has infinite resources to step into her situation and provide her exactly what she needs. It's the kind of faith we hear in Psalm 104, where the psalmist says, O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. They all look to you to give them their food in due season. And when you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. Now hold up. The most amazing part about this prayer, when Hannah prays to the Lord of hosts, who is filled with good things, catch this. It's the first time anyone in the Bible has used this name. She didn't learn this from Moses. She didn't learn this from Abraham. In the midst of her barrenness, empty situation, and her suffering, Hannah teaches us who God is by holding on to the promise that he is the Lord of hosts. She has a Hebrews 11 kind of faith, a faith that has the conviction of things not seen. She is convinced, she is fully assured that God can take his everything, put it into her nothing, and make her whole. Because she has real faith. You see what she did? Before she ever gets to Eli, Hannah, in the face of the choice between circumstances and promises, Hannah holds on to promises. Now, I want to walk through the rest of the passage with you and point out three ways that Hannah dares to believe in God's promises. The first way that Hannah does this, in verse 10 to 11, Hannah dares to pray. Read verses 10 and 11, if you've got your Bible still open. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 10 to 11. Hannah, she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. Up until this point, everything in 1 Samuel chapter 1 happens to Hannah. But when she gets down on her knees, it's the first thing that Hannah does herself. It's the first action from Hannah in the chapter. Now, I just wonder if we appreciate how big a deal this is. Prayer for us kind of feels like a little last-minute thing, an emergency button. 
Hannah dares to believe that the God of the universe, infinite resources, holding everything together, cares about one little woman who can't have a kid. Even more amazing, she assumes what we've been told twice in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, the writer tells us clearly that the Lord closed her womb. It was God who actively withheld Hannah from having children. And Hannah assumes that because God is the one she goes to to fix the situation. He's the only one in control of the situation. He's the one who can do something about it. And in the next chapter, you see this kind of faith. When she sings, she sings this about God, chapter 2, verses 6 to 7. Hannah sings to a Lord who kills and brings to life. A God who brings down to Sheol and raises up. To a Lord who makes poor and makes rich. And to a God who brings low and exalts. Friend, what does this mean for you and me? Ultimately, every circumstance, every detail, everything in your life comes from God. Either as a direct blessing out of his goodness for your good or out of his permission, his allowance out of his wisdom. One way or the other, Romans 11 verse 36 still stands for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Now, I got to ask, how does that sit with you? How does the reality, the biblical truth, that everything in your life has come to you from God sit with you? As one writer argues, to know that suffering comes from God can lead you to a lot of bad places. It could lead you to fatalism, where you just decide why do anything except just accept it and go on. If you come to realize that the toughest part of your life is happening because of God, it could lead you to resent him. Maybe some of you are there. But friends, look at Hannah. Real faith trusts God's sovereignty and his goodness all at the same time. And to know that God holds every detail in your life in his hands brings peace and satisfaction. That's why Romans chapter 8 verse 28 rings so true in the believer's heart. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So let me just call on you, brother and sister, hold on to that promise, and like Hannah, dare to pray. Take the difficulties, the anxieties, the situation to God. Cast your cares 
to him and trust him. But don't stop there. Hannah shows amazing faith another way. After she dares to pray, Hannah dares to feel hopeful. Hannah dares to get her hopes up. Look at verse 17 and 18. I love these verses. Eli answered Hannah, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And Hannah said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. And then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Before Hannah's circumstances ever change, Hannah changes. Remember, her husband husband asked, why are you sad? But now that the priest is talking to her, she walks away glad. Before Hannah ever has a baby, God's word changes her heart. A new birth happens inside of Hannah, spiritually, before her prayer is answered in a tangible, concrete way that you can see, she puts away the tissues and goes to the banquet table. Friends, Advent is all about waiting, but you don't have to wait to experience the joy of the new birth. You don't have to wait to celebrate. You don't have to wait for Jesus to come back to say amen. You don't have to wait to have a little bit of joy. Hannah sings in chapter 2, verse 1, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. Even if Hannah didn't say anything, and all you did was see her from a distance at the temple, you would know the difference because her face was no longer sad. Now, my wife is laughing right now, and she wishes she could just say, I told you so, because I'm the chief of sinners right here. I got this mean mug face that never smiles, and I know. And listen, I'm looking at a bunch of y'all who have the same problem. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm just saying, if we believe all this is true, shouldn't we smile a little bit? Paul, in jail for Jesus, said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. So can I just encourage you a little bit? If you're that grumpy type, can you just take a month off from that and rejoice? I know the situation's tough. Maybe your prayer's not been answered. But friend, Jesus saved you. Rejoice. That should be enough. But see, I think if we ran into Hannah at this point, we would get nervous. We see Hannah all happy, going to the banquet, because the prayer hasn't been physically answered, and we would feel for her. What, what if It doesn't come to be. What if the priest was wrong? What if she's getting her hopes up for no reason? We would tell her, Hannah, slow down. I know God can do all things. I know what the priest said, but just in case, tone it down a little bit. Have some wisdom. 
friend, do we dare to be hopeful? When you pray, do you get up glad, confident, that even if God doesn't answer it the way you want, you can trust him and be glad today? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7, Paul says, Love bears all things, love believes all things, love hopes all things, love endures all things. So if God has loved you, if you love him, dare to feel hopeful. Have some optimism. Look on the bright side. Smile at somebody when you leave today. Hannah dares to pray. Hannah dares to be hopeful. And lastly, brothers and sisters, Hannah dares to sacrifice. Hannah dares to lose what's most precious to her. Look at verse 26 to 28. And Hannah said, Oh, my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Sometimes you speak too much and you get caught in your own words and promises, right? And you feel like you need to slide your way out of that because living up to the promise is way more difficult than making the promise. It's one thing for Hannah to pray and say, God, I'll give you a son. And it is another to hold that kid in your arms and give that son to the Lord. But Hannah dares to lose, dares to give up, dares to sacrifice. It's amazing when when God told Abraham to do this, he stopped Abraham and let Abraham have his son. But when he tells, when Hannah tells God that she'll do this, God takes her up on the offer and takes Samuel for himself. Just consider, she prays for what she wants more than anything, and God gives her what she wants more than anything, and then she gives back to God what she wanted more than anything, because really what she wanted more than anything was God to be glorified. And even his name mattered more than her family name. And his glory mattered more than even her desire to have a son. That's why in chapter 2, verse 2, Hannah says, There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. Parentheses, not even my kid. There is no rock like our God. Now, how could Hannah do this? Friend, it's because Hannah is doing the same thing she's been doing. She's got her circumstances and she's got promises and she holds on to promises. She can't see it. God is doing something in the nation here. God is going to take this miraculous birth, and the Lord of hosts is going to set the stage for a future king of Israel. 
her son Samuel is going to travel to a little town of Bethlehem and find a shepherd boy and anoint him to lead God's people. God is going to take this miraculous birth to bring to his nation a king who is given a promise, a promise that he will have an offspring and he will be established forever as king. And it took 1,000 years for God to fulfill that promise. But when he did, God pulled a hammy. God dared to sacrifice his own son to establish his name, his kingdom. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I want you to know, friend, what is most important about this story is not that you go away and be more like Hannah. What is most important is that you put your faith in Hannah's God and what God did with his son. Dare to believe in what his son Jesus has done for you in the face of your circumstances, whatever it is you're going through, and the promise that if you believe in Jesus Christ and his perfect life and his death on the cross for your sins and his resurrection from the dead, between the face of the choice of your circumstances and that promise, brothers and sisters, hold on to the promise of God. John 5, verse 24, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Friends, there's not a better way to celebrate Christmas than to give up your everything and hold on to that promise. If you've never done that, don't leave without talking to somebody about how you can hold on to that promise. But brothers and sisters, when you belong to God by faith, we have all the more reason for a faith like Hannah. We have all the more reason to go to God in prayer. The reason we pray in Jesus' name is because he has given us access to God to ask him for anything, no matter what we're going through, and to believe that he will work in our situation for our good and his glory. Romans 8 verse 32 gives us the promise that God, who did not spare his own son, but gave Jesus up for us all, if he did that, how will he not also with him graciously give us all You know what Paul's saying there? God's already done the hardest thing for you. God's already given you the greatest gift for you. So why don't you dare to go and pray for something a little bit smaller? And if he's already saved you from your sins, you can offer up any prayer request to God and know that he will work for your good. Try him on it. Dare to believe in the Lord of hosts. Dare to be hopeful while you do it. Brothers and sisters, even in the face of trials and sorrows and pain and real life, let 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 be true of you. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. And then give him everything. 
brothers and sisters, what are you holding on to? What are you trying to keep back for yours? Watch Hannah give up her own son for God's glory and dare to sacrifice. Dare to point others to a love that is willing to give up your own life. As Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. To be clear, when you dare to believe, when you dare to hold on to the promises, when you dare to pray anything, I'm not here to tell you that everything in your life is magically going to work out, that everything's going to be perfect. Sometimes God will say no, but that's because he's wise. But friends, the Lord of hosts is good, and he's worthy to be trusted. His word says, those who wait for me shall not be put to shame. So whatever it is you are waiting on God for, wait with joy and with faith and confidence that he will provide for you. And if you need any more proof, go home and watch a Christmas movie. I don't know which movie you picked, but I guarantee you they'll tell you the same thing. When faced with the choice between circumstances and promises, brothers and sisters, faith holds on to promises. Let's pray.